It is Thursday, September 29th here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 4 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. Jared, we got a Miami at Cincinnati game tonight on Thursday. Bengals are favored by 3.5, over under 47.5. And And early in the week, I mean early in the week, we're only on Thursday right now, but early in the week, Tua looked like there was a solid chance he might not play in this game. He's questionable officially. They're saying he's trending toward playing. He's got ankle and back issues. I mean, there are implications for him, not just as an individual player, but for the offense overall. How are you feeling about Tua Tonga-Vailoa as a fantasy prospect tonight (laughs) and the Dolphins wide receivers as an extension of that? Yeah, he's, I'm going to say this like with almost every quarterback this week, but I'd like to rank Tua lower than where we have him, but like there are, question marks and issues with almost like every quarterback this week, you know, besides Josh Allen, like almost literally they either, you know, we don't like them in general or they're in, you know, tougher matchups with Tua. It's definitely, you know, these injuries are a concern. I think, you know, there's a chance he's not able to make it through the game. We'll see how it you know, impacts his effectiveness. So he was, he was talking about the, the back thing, you know, limiting his ability to like, you know, turn through throws and stuff. So um, now, so that, that's an issue for the wide receivers. I think, people would argue if they have to turn to Teddy Bridgewater, you know, how big of a downgrade is that from Tua? So I, I'm not um, super worried about Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. I'm still starting them. Waddle's on the injury report with a groin. He's questionable, but he's expected to play too. I, I haven't seen anything to suggest that serious. So I'm definitely sticking with those two guys. Um, Tua, you know, despite the fact that he's like, what, 10th or 11th in our rankings, like you know, I, I would not, um, you know, be against benching him if you have, you know, a similar option. Yeah, I mean, it's a reluctant 10th or 11th, as you alluded to. It's basically because he has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And then you look at the guys behind him, and it's like, ah, that guy's fine, but he doesn't have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So I guess we'll roll with this and see what happens. It, it You know, it's worrisome, and it's especially worrisome since it's a Thursday game. They didn't have the whole yeah. week to get over whatever is bothering them. I don't know of any evidence. I, I've had people ask about, because of the Thursday night curse or whatever, do I maybe not play this guy? If it's out there, I don't know about it. Maybe it is, but do we know of any evidence that Thursday guys underperform relative to what they do over the course of a season? Yeah, I think, and I, you know, don't quote me on this, but I think I've seen something that unders hit at a higher rate than usual on these Thursday night games, which, you know, that that's bad news for fantasy, but yeah, it's, it's not huge. It's, you know, they might hit at 56%, you know, or something like that. So um, I don't know. I, the good news for these Dolphins guys, they, they should be fresh. They ran only 39 offensive plays in that game against the Bills. So, you know, the the, the defense might be tired. You know, that might be a mark in the favor of some of these Bengals guys, but uh, the offense should be fresh. At least everybody except for the quarterback. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I think that if you're trying to break a tie and if you have somebody going Thursday night who's been dealing with an injury versus somebody who's going Sunday and is not, then go ahead and lean toward the guy that doesn't have the injury and gets longer to rest. But I wouldn't say it's Thursday night. I'm not using Jalen Waddle. I'm going to reach down and play Romeo Dodge oh, yeah. because of the Thursday night curse. Yeah, again, you know, Waddle, Waddle should be in fantasy lineups tonight for sure. Left tackle Teron Armstead, also questionable, but also expected to play. No practices this week. He's got a toe injury. So, I mean, if he's out, certainly not good for the offense, but it doesn't sound like he will be. And I don't think we can really make any adjustments based on what we do know here. Chase Edmonds, not an injury situation, scored twice against Buffalo. So that always makes somebody show up more in fantasy. But Raheem Mostert still played more than he did. It's it's at best a split backfield. Mostert also ran more pass routes, which you, know, you hate to see if you're an Edmonds owner. I actually bet the over on seven and a half receiving yards for Raheem Mostert tonight. 
Um, and just seeing the, the, the usage he's getting in the passing game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those guys, I don't, I don't like either of them in fantasy lineups tonight. You know, they're both like low end RB3s. Um, you know, th- those were so the Dolphins have had three carries inside the five yard line so far this season. Alec Ingle, their fullback, got the first one in week two. And then, you know, numbers two and three went to Chase Evans last week. I'm not ready to say that, you know, he's their designated goal line back. Uh, that's definitely a situation to keep an eye on these next few weeks as they hopefully get more, you know, carries near the goal line. On the other side of this one, I bet the over on the receiving yards for Joe Mixon. The playing time was down slightly versus the Jets, but not to a worrisome level. Uh, was dealing with the ankle injury last week. Full practices on both Tuesday and Wednesday to close this short week, though. So I'm not adjusting yeah. Joe Mixon at all for the ankle factor. And his targets per game are way up versus any other year of his career. 6.7 targets per game through three weeks. The previous high for Mixon was 4.3 per game, and that came over just six games back in 2020. So we didn't even know what his number was going to be over the course of that season. And, you know, the um, inflated passing volume for the team obviously helps that number. But Mixon's also seen 16% target share. That's excellent. That's up from 9.2% over all of last season. And really, that's the thing that I was hoping for because late last season – we saw Joe Mixon's target share climb up into that 15 to 17% range. So if it's going to stay in there all year, uh, he's got smash potential. Yeah, that's where it should be. I mean, he's been a good receiving back since his days at Oklahoma. Yeah, I, Mixon to me, and maybe you, you try to go get him before this game tonight. To me, he's like one of the best buys at running back right now. He is vastly underachieved versus usage so far. Um, you know, he's getting elite high-end RB1 usage. The only reason the snaps were down, last week is because he played just two snaps in the fourth quarter. They kind of pulled him after he tweaked his ankle and they had the big lead against the Jets. So probably a smart, smart move there. So, you know, he, he's an obvious star. And again, if you don't have Joe Mixon, I might, you know, go right now, try to you know, send a trade off or see if you can get him. Joe Burrow hasn't been awesome so far, but I mean, the Bengals need him. So we're sticking with him and you know, like you mentioned, it's a tough week at quarterback anyway. So you don't really have too many options to that are more attractive. Yeah, Miami 29th in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. Set, setting up is a bit of a pass funnel early. They're seventh against the run, but 29th against the pass. Mm-hmm. Um, and then elsewhere, I mean, the Bengals are pretty straightforward. We had the numbers from Tyler Boyd, but it's kind of fluky. He had the one long touchdown that really inflated that. Yep, but Boyd's still like an emergency only option. Um, Hayden Hurst, so his route rate was way down last week, 51%, but he had that groin injury. Um, now he's off the injury report this week. He put on full practices on Tuesday and Wednesday and Miami is dead last in our adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends, uh, metric. So, you know, Hurst not inside our top 12, but like if you, you know, had been using him, if you're like kind of hurting a tight end, you've been turned to Hurst. I do think he's back on the radar this week. Cause it looks like he's much healthier this week than he was last. We're going to have to start a drinking game for you mentioning Hayden Hurst on every single show this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else from that game? Nope. Let's move on to Sunday, which gets an early start, 9.30 a.m. here in the East, because the Vikings are facing the Saints in London. Vikings by two and a half, over under 43 and a half. And the biggest injury story to watch here is Dalvin Cook. Got the shoulder injury, did not practice Wednesday. He's feeling better and better, according to the coach, um, heading into Thursday, but still unlikely to practice. And then the team is traveling after that to London. The Saints got there at the beginning of the week. It's all it's It's interesting to see the teams differ in their travel plans, Jared? Because to me, I would think at this point, there's so much data out there that the teams mm-hmm. probably know what has been best for when to travel. And the fact that we get different travel plans, especially for two teams with relatively young head coaches, tells me that it's not really clear <laughs> that it, there's a, a distinct advantage of getting there early in the week or getting there later in the week. 
Yeah, I, w- I would love to see that data if it's out there and it could help us with some of these start set questions when we know one team went early and one didn't. Um, I mean, Dalvin Cook, he's dealt with shoulder injuries throughout his football career. Um, you remember last year, he, he was in this, the same situation in that it was a Thursday night game against the Steelers where, you know, he was a game time decision. We weren't sure if he was going to play. We weren't sure how much he would play. And then he en- ends up active and has a massive game. Now, um, all that came on the ground. He only had one target on three catches. So that's kind of the question. Can he, can he catch the football with a you know, shoulder harness? Um, so cook, you know, cook right now, we'll keep an eye on the situation and all that, but he, he's lower than usual in our week, uh, four rankings, just cause I, again, I think the passing game role could be down and there's, you know, I, I'd say pretty significant risk that he doesn't make it through the game, right? If he, if he takes a hit on that shoulder, that might be it for him. So he's lower than usual, but he's still on a spot. I think he's like 13th in our running back rankings. Like you know, you'd have to be pretty stacked at the position to the bench Dalvin cook, assuming he ends up active. Yeah, I think it's a good spot to remind folks that we really don't know a whole lot more than you do about how likely a guy is to get less work in a game. You know, unless there's a specific report of a coach saying we're going to limit his work because he's dealing with this. Otherwise, we're all absolutely guessing. So, you know, you have to take the risk into account, consider your other options and then, you know, just ultimately make a personal call. Like, you you know, the the Dalvin Cook game from last year is a good example. Like all of us. We're like, I don't know. He's definitely not full strength. And then he goes out there and runs 200 <laughs> yards. Like, well, I mean, yeah. you know, that's why you just got to – sometimes you just go with your guy and see what happens. Yeah, 27 carries in that game for Cook. So he wasn't limited there. Now, it's a brand-new coaching staff in Minnesota, a brand-new front office even. So you know, maybe they have a different take on how to how to treat Cook because he's dealing right. with this injury. Yeah, and it's unlikely that most coaches are going to say before the game, yeah, we're going to cut him off at 12 carries. I'm not sure exactly right. when those 12 come, but we want to make sure not to ding him up too much. That's, it just, just doesn't happen. It's going to depend on the flow of the game, Matt. <laughs> right, hot hand approach. Justin Jefferson, it stinks to get two poor outings among his first three games of the year, and poor, of course, relative to what we expect from Justin Jefferson. Really way too early to change any opinion on him, though. Uh, and he might have faced a, pa- a pair of tough corners so far. And I say might because I think that's important. We get to this point in the year and we start thinking, oh, we've got several games to judge by. It's still very early in a game whose whole season is made up of small samples. So yeah. we're not overjudging anything yet. He faced Darius Slay a lot in the Philly game, faced Jeff Okuda last week for the Lions. And we'll talk a little bit more about Okuda when we get down to the Lions game in this one. So maybe those cornerbacks were factors in Jefferson's mm-hmm. lacking production the past two weeks. They might not have been, it might be that this offense is going to have bumps and it might've just been a couple of rough games for a guy who's generally awesome. So this week he's got Marshawn Lattimore, you know, that's a concern. I'm not adjusting Justin Jefferson based on where I would have used him heading into the season in week four. No, me either. I think you know, he's, he's, he's too good to you know continue being limited like this i think it's good news that both adam thielen and kj osborne scored last week so you know taking advantage of the softer coverage they're getting because of all the defensive tension that's going jefferson's way so you know it, that, it'll, it'll start to shift a little bit not the defenses are going to forget about jefferson but you know thielen and osborne even irv smith at times are you know making these defenses pay for all the attention they're, they're spending on jefferson that's going to free up jefferson going forward now, I do think the way that New Orleans has operated defensively, they will probably have Marshawn Lattimore on Justin Jefferson pretty much this whole game. You know, that's that's a worse thing than if it weren't the case. <laughs> but if Jefferson's that good, he should be able to beat Marshawn Lattimore at times. He should yeah. be able to find open spots. They should be able to scheme him the ball. And that's the big thing is they have been scheming him the ball so far. He's got 10 more targets than anybody else on the team. And Adam Thielen, who was fine in week two, was better last week because he scored a touchdown. 
is second in that category, but he's much closer to Irv Smith and KJ Osborne in work so far than he is to number one, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. You can consider fading Jefferson in DFS, but you know, he's, he's locked in your starting lineup in season long leagues. Yeah. Thielen's outing was encouraging last week. I mean, the TD is always nice, but he, but he got a 19 for 5%, 19.5% target share. You know, if he can settle in that range he can still be a useful wide receiver for wide receiver three for fantasy. I'm not, convinced he will but you know it was good to see him do it for at least one week yeah he's at 16 percent through three games so that's well down from what we've gotten in other recent seasons from Thielen. if he stays in that range that he's basically Allen robinson so you know he's usable right now but don't overrate the touchdown last week and say okay adam Thielen's back yes uh earth smith route rates 44 percent 60 percent 55 percent so it was usable target counts the past two weeks, but a guy that there's no reason to be optimistic about yet. Yeah, it's, you're living dangerously with those type of route rates. Um, and the Saints, the Saints, I feel like they've been a good tight end defense for a while now, and that's continued this season. They uh, you know shut down Kyle Pitts in week one. They haven't really been tested the last two weeks, but Football Outsiders says them th- uh, third in tight end coverage. So um, I would definitely start Hayden Hurst over Irv Smith this week. Take a drink. Yes, I would start Hayden Hurst over Irv Smith as well. Um, And I would need a couple drinks if I was making that decision. (laughs) Michael Thomas on the other side did not practice Wednesday with a foot injury. Jameis Winston did not practice Wednesday and was also not on the field early Thursday with back and ankle issues. He told the Times-Picayune that he was preparing to play, but uh, it sounds like they also need to get Andy Dalton ready to play, and we'll kind of see where this goes. Jarvis Landry also didn't practice Wednesday with the foot issue. Jared, do you have any updates on the receivers alongside Winston? Yeah, the early reports were that Thomas didn't practice again on Thursday and that Landry did. I always hate putting too much into those, though, because the reporters get to see the first, like, 15 minutes. So a lot of times the actual injury report is different from what from what they report early on. But um, the, the Thomas and Landry injuries were both reported as, as minor. Um, you know, it's not long-term things, at least. But I don't think they're locks to play. You know, Landry obviously looks like a better bet at this point if he did practice today. But e- either way, I mean, with those guys banged up, I think Chris Olave is the best fantasy play among the Saints wide receivers, at least for this week. And I mean, it's possible that he you know, is for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's him and Thomas close right now in terms of deciding who to have on your roster the rest of the way. And then we'll kind of see how things develop with Chris Olave. A switch to Andy Dalton might be bad for Olave, worse for Olave than for the other guys than Jameis Winston, because Andy Dalton's got a career 8.6 yard average depth of target. He's been under eight yards each of the past two years. Jameis Winston at 10.8 career. So he likes throwing to the area of the field that favors Chris Olave over the other two wideouts, whereas Andy Dalton's a little bit more of a short operator, at least. So, And Jameis Winston's been at 12.0 in a dot through three games this year with Olave and the others on the field. So I think, I think it's a slight downgrade. It's not one that's going to ultimately make the decision a whole lot different for me on Olave mm-hmm. versus guys around him in the rankings. Yeah. Olave has 33 and 32% target shares the last two weeks. So like, you know, even if he loses a few of those deep balls from Andy Dalton, like he's, you know, he's still going to be getting enough volume to be, you know, I, I, I think he's a, he's a nice wide receiver three play this week. Uh, and then if Jameis Winston doesn't play, I think Taysom Hill becomes a name to talk about. I've already seen one question of, do I play Taysom Hill? And of course, it's somebody saying, do I play Taysom Hill now that Jameis Winston's out? First of all, we don't know that he's out yet. We know he's not practicing. He wasn't practicing early on Thursday. We'll see if he's not playing in this game. I do think that there is a bit more upside to Taysom Hill if there's no Jameis Winston, because if New Orleans is going to a backup quarterback and does get Taysom Hill back from the rib injury that cost him last week, 
then, you know, there's a little bit more incentive maybe to run more of those Taysom Hill plays in the yeah. game. Yeah, I was going to say the rib injury adds some risk. Uh, the Saints actually do have their Thursday injury report posted. So it, Taysom Hill has gone limited, limited. So I think, you know, he's trending towards playing, but I don't know if that if the Ray will limit him in that game. Um, Jarvis Landry was limited today. Winston did not practice. Michael Thomas did not practice either. So I think Thomas is, you know, he's, he's looking iffy for this game. Yeah, for sure. So Jared, who is the highest ranked tight end that you would be willing to let somebody play Taysom Hill over? I have to pull up our tight end rankings. It's I say, don't have to go too far. I yeah, I mean, I, I say it's I mean, in like fourteen to sixteen range. I think Hayden Hurst or David and Joku are a couple of lines. You're saying if Winston's out, yeah, if Winston's out, yeah, I, I think because I mean, then you're talking like da- yeah, Dawson Knox. I mean, I I definitely play him over. I, mean, I guess we'll see on Dalton Schultz, but you know, Irv Smith, Logan Thomas, Daniel freaking Ballinger's are tight end 21 right now which shows you how disgusting the position is but yeah I mean to me it's somewhere in like those the mid-teens range um because Hill just beats all those guys in ceiling down there yeah I think everybody from David and Joku up I would certainly play ahead of Taysom Hill I think when you get to Hayden Hurst it's like a, you can go whichever way you want at that point I'm not dropping Hayden Hurst to get Taysom Hill I'm probably not yeah. even grabbing Taysom Hill for the purpose of starting him over Hayden Hurst, especially because we have to make that decision today without knowing the ultimate status of Taysom Hill's rib injury. Um, And and it's honestly, it's probably not somebody that I'm grabbing to start. Like if I don't have any tight end that's higher than that group of guys you were just talking about already, then I'm trying to make a long-term fix for my roster at this point, not merely focusing on who to play in uh, week four. So, but if you do have Taysom Hill, if you have access to Taysom Hill and you don't have to drop anything of value to get him, I think that's the range where it's okay to go ahead and take a shot and see what happens. Yeah, I think he's a he's a great stash you know, where he has tight end eligibility because these, you know, I don't I'm not sure this back injury is going away anytime soon for Jameis Winston. And then you know, Andy Dalton's still Andy Dalton. Um, I think there, there's a chance that he kind of you know face plants and, and Taysom Hill gets some starts at quarterback this season. And Joe Saviano on YouTube asks about Evan Ingram. I would play Evan Ingram over Taysom Hill pretty easily, and especially because. If if I have Evan Ingram, I don't feel the need to spend that roster spot on Taysom yeah. Hill. Yeah, we got to stick with our boy Ingram. Uh, we'll we'll get to him later, but I, I would I would play him over Taysom. And then finally, Alvin Kamara is still dealing with his rib issue, but he was limited Wednesday, so that points to him being in better shape than he was last week. Yeah, limited again today. He he's going to play. I I uh I think Kamara is a good buy right now, and I like him a lot this week. Um, you know, la- last week was the first game I think where he was healthy. You know, the first game he was limited by the rib injury, then he didn't play week two, but. Uh, last week, 70% of the snaps got 15 of the 20 running back carries, saw seven targets, a 17% target share. You know, he, he caught just two of them, hasn't scored a touchdown yet. So the fantasy production hasn't been there, but, uh, you know, the usage has been solid. Uh, and this is a good matchup. The Vikings are 31st in football outsiders run defense. And I mean, Andy Dalton from Jameis Winston certainly wouldn't be bad for running back target shares. Yes, for sure. The Chargers at the Houston Texans. Chargers by five and a half, even though they stopped playing football last week, officially over under 44 and a half. Justin Herbert was limited Wednesday. So I feel like that's a mildly positive signal for his rib injury. Keenan Allen was limited Wednesday with his hamstring injury. Last week, he went limited, limited, no practice Friday, and then didn't play in that game. So we'll still have to watch him. Doesn't necessarily mean there's significant progress and the offense. I mean, it's not directly involved in fantasy value, but left tackle Rayshon uh, Slater yeah. is done for the year after tearing his biceps. 
that's that, that's that's huge. You know, he had already emerged as one of the you know the better tackles in the game, and I think his replacement Storm Norton, who's been horrible every time he's been on the field. So that's a that's a big loss. Um, I'm I'm so pissed. I fell for the Chargers again, putting that Super Bowl bet on them. I I, I feel like they're dead already because they they lost Joey Bosa for what is he is he done for the season or he's done, he's done for a while, right? Uh, the last thing I saw was Brandon Staley saying the doctor said he'll be back at some point, yeah. but that sounds like we have no idea when. But he's he probably will be able to play before the end of the season. He's on IR, so he's out at least four games. But it sounds like it'll be beyond that too. Yeah. By the way, I don't don't think that's a real guy. I think that's one of those guys that back in the 80s would be waiting out in the wrestling ring for the star dude to come down to his music and then just get whooped in like six minutes. I mean, the the Chargers are cursed. There's no other explanation for this. Um, So, I mean, mean, Herbert was pretty bad last week. Um, His PFF passing grade was the the seventh lowest of his career. It was, you know, easily the the lowest of this season. So you got to think the rib injury had a lot to do with that. Again, th- this week, there's like no strong spot start quarterback option. So, you know, if Herbert's your guy, I think you just got to to play him. Um, you know, I, I have, you know, read a couple of things, you know, from, you know, the, the Twitter doctors we follow. That Herbert should just progressively get better each and each week from that rib injury. So this week should be better than last. And, um, you know, obviously this matchup against Houston's a, a fine enough matchup. Mm-hmm. Austin Eckler's playing time is down versus last year, and it's not a lot, but it's a decent amount for somebody yeah. drafted in round one. It's in line with his 2020 and 2019 playing time rates. 2020 finished as RB26. 2019, he was RB4 in PPR points, but he was 34th in carries that season, second in targets. And that seems like it might be the way that they want to use him this year. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The passing game usage has been fine. I mean, you know, Last week, he runs around on 52% of the pass plays, gets an 18% target share. Like that's, you know, that's where we want him. But um, he, he's definitely losing more carries to Sony Michelle and Josh McKellar, and especially the short yardage stuff. Um, just 40% of the Chargers running back carries for Eckler last week. You know, that's that's not a number he's going to you know be able to pay off his ADP at if it, if it stays. So we'll see. I mean, I feel like this Chargers – Offense is still like a work in progress early this season. They've just had injuries all over the place. Um, so we'll see how it kind of pans out. But, you know, that the Rashawn Slater injury is not going to help Eckler either. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's more annoying than anything we can act on right now because you kind of have to play Eckler with where he went. And we just have to hope that they're giving him the ball more than they have so far and that they're still yep. ironing out wrinkles. Yep. Mike Williams is just going to be an inconsistent guy. I mean, he's going to be a frustrating guy to have on (laughs) rosters going forward. And I don't think there's a whole lot you can do about that. You play him through it. You realize you're going to take some bad weeks like last one, and then you will get good weeks on the other side. We just did a dynasty buy sell hold report that uh, went on the site yesterday though. And to me, Jared, I know he didn't make it into the article. I think Mike Williams is a sell because I think that the guy that he's going to be going forward is basically Michael Gallup. And I think that what people view him as is something more than that. I just don't think that he's going to be the consistently over 20% target share guy. He's going to be the guy that gives you a week where he scores, you know, 115 yards and two touchdowns. And then a couple of weeks where he catches two balls for 36. Yeah. I mean, that's what he's been through his entire career so far. He might say, I mean, it's still useful in fantasy, right? I mean, most receivers are inconsistent that to me, the reason I wouldn't sell Williams is in dynasties because he just got the three-year contract extension. So he's, you know, he's, he's tied to Justin Herbert for the next three seasons. Like I think he's going to be fine, even though maybe he's not going to be a wide receiver one in fantasy, but I think he's, he's going to be fine. Uh, you know, especially as Keenan Allen continues to you know age and potentially decline. 
15.7% target share through three games and almost all of that without Keenan Allen so far. He's tied with Gerald Everett in targets, one target behind Josh Palmer, two targets behind Austin Eckler. So, you know, it's not somebody that I think is worthless going forward, but, you know, you got to give value to get value. I think the perception on Mike Williams is higher than the than reality. That, that target share is coming up. Like he, he's been above that even the past couple of seasons. It's, it's not going to be, you know, 16%. Yeah, I mean, I believe that as well, but I think that the cap is more like 19% than it is 23%. And I think that's, it sounds like nitpicking, but like that's the level where if where I don't think he has wide receiver one upside. Yeah. I, we need the Chargers offense to get going. Everyone on this offense has been disappointing so far. Like if the offense is going to be, you know, not what we expected, then yeah, all these guys are going to be underwhelming. Um, there are lots of questions that I've seen, like, should I drop Gerald Everett for David Njoku? Should I drop Evan Ingram for Tyler Conklin? And I, I never really know how to answer stuff like that because I, all of these guys, I think are likely to be in the same range going forward, probably through the rest of the season. They're going to outscore each other. There's going to be a week like David Njoku had last week. There's going to be a stretch where the mm-hmm. Jets are throwing a ton and Tyler Conklin is very involved. And then, you know, it'll swing the other way. So what I usually say is, these guys are honestly in the same range. So if you have a favorite, you can go for it. But I don't think there's generally a whole lot separating Gerald Everett from those other guys. Not a whole lot, but I do like him over those other guys you mentioned and guys in that range. Um, you know, Everett had his first bad fantasy game of the season last week, but he actually set a season high in route rate at um, 72%. And you know he, he's he's tied to Justin Herbert. I think that's what he has over those other guys you mentioned. Um Everett's eighth among tight ends and expected fantasy points. So if he's getting that level of usage tied to, you know, a high end quarterback, I, I think, you know, I, I think he's going to finish the year as a, as a top 12 tight end. I agree with that. Um, a defense, as you mentioned, Joey Bosa lost for the foreseeable future. So that definitely changes that matchup that looked like it could have been tough for teams before the Jaguars decimated them. I, th- I still think the Chargers <laughs> defense is usable this week against Houston and maybe beyond, but you know, we'll see how they fare in that game without Bosa. Yeah, so J.C. Jackson's the other big injury to track here. Um, he well, he missed weeks one and three, played week two with the same ankle injury, I believe, right? Um, so he's he's big for the Brandon Cooks matchup here. And Brandon Cooks, super frustrating so far. The volume is there. He has 29 targets through three games, a 27% target share. But he has 13 catches for 158 yards and no touchdowns. Just putrid efficiency for Brandon Cooks. And, and it's a guy that's been efficient throughout his career. He's been efficient with the Texans. He was efficient with Davis Mills. Last season, so I I gotta believe you know, Mills. By the way, has taken a step back. I think, um, which has hurt. But this this Cooks efficiency stuff has to improve. Um, so I'm I'm sticking with him as at least like a low end wide receiver too going forward. Tied for 13th in targets league wide right now among wide receivers. Tied for 33rd in yep. catches, 37th in yards, 51st in PPR scoring tied with Robbie Anderson. So that's not a fun name to see, but I I agree that you lean a little bit more on the usage than the production. And I mean, you know, obviously there's always been some risk to Brandon cooks that there would be less efficiency. It's frustrating beyond just the specific performance for him that Houston, like it's okay to give Davis mills a shot to see if he's the answer, but how do you not ensure that with something better than Kyle Allen? I don't know. I mean, what's, I guess, what's the point for them? Like they're not going anywhere this year anyway. I mean, I don't, I don't but know. like, look, look who is out there this year as, as yeah. backup quarterbacks. I mean, there are plenty of guys you could be like, okay, 
we'll give um we'll give davis mills a shot this year but we're gonna bring in andy dalton behind him like that would be a better answer than kyle allen if things just went south to the point where davis mills can't win a football game yeah sure sure would be nice for uh cooks if he had that backup option but and you man you mentioned robbie anderson like cooks is off to a start this year like robbie anderson had last year which was like insanely low efficiency I, i i think cooks is a much better player than anderson so i'm i'm more confident that he'll turn it around Certainly seems like a steadier individual. Damian Pierce limited Wednesday with a hip issue. He had a nice game last week, 80 yards, touchdown, caught two balls for 21 more yards. Uh, worth remembering that that came on 20 carries. It was just four yards per rush. It's not like he was amazing last week. And it was a close game against a Bears team that doesn't look like it's going to be very good. So we'll see what the matchup against the Chargers is like this week, especially with all the injuries on that defense that we mentioned. Pierce, I think, is a solid option for sure. I don't think he's quite to the point of being a lineup lock off of last week's game, though. No, I don't think so either. Um, I, I think he'll have success on the ground against the Chargers, and you can run against this defense. Um the risk is if the Texans do fall behind by a couple scores because Rex Burke had, you know, Pierce kind of closed the gap in, in pass routes in, in week two, but in week three, it was back to Rex Burke had dominating the, the passing game work. So if Houston does fall behind, I think you're going to see, see Pierce off the field uh, quite a bit. Maybe if you are um, betting on either Justin Herbert, Mike Williams, or somebody else in your fantasy lineup, maybe you hedge that with some Damian Pierce in like underdog pickums or sleeper over unders. You can get, into either of those and get a full deposit match um, by using promo code draft shark. So you can jump in, put some money on the guy that might be beating your fantasy team in real life. <laughs> I, I did our underdog pick article yesterday, Jared and Damian Pierce was in it once again, because his underdog line is still under 60 yards coming off that 80 yard game wow. was still double digits below our week four projection form, which only has him at RB 25. So, you know, I mentioned it before for Damian Pierce, these, kind of contests are a good way that you can bet on somebody without saying this guy's going to blow up this week. You can say, mm-hmm. I think he's going to do better than what the market expects this week. I'm not sure that he's going to be awesome. And I have options on my fantasy team that I like better, but I think he's going to do better than expectation. This is a good way to be able to play that. Yeah. I think it's like a range of outcome thing with these over unders. Like, you know, what, like, well, what percent of the time does Pierce not hit 60 rushing yards? And to me, it's, you know, maybe, maybe a third of the time, like if the Texans really get blown out in this game. Um, so yeah, so I definitely like that over. We have him projected for 70 rushing yards. Yeah. So go to either underdog or sleeper. You enter the draft sharks promo code. They'll match your first deposit. Um, go play. I got some bets in already. Chicago at the giants here. Giants by three and a half over under of 39 and a half. And anytime that the over under starts with a three, you want to be less interested in that for fantasy purposes. What's the latest on David Montgomery for the bears? You did not practice on Wednesday. I think it's, it's knee and ankle. He's on the injury report with, you know, we haven't really heard of official diagnosis that bears are still saying like day to day, but at this point, because because Montgomery was ruled out pretty quickly when he got hurt in that game last week, so that always you know, kind of tells me it's something at least semi serious. And then no practice on Wednesday. I would uh, at, at this point, I'm assuming Montgomery's not going to play, and that obviously makes Khalil Herbert a fantasy option. Um, you know, he 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 to me he's like Montgomery's had a good start to the season. Herbert still looks like the better runner to me. I think he's going to have success in this game on the ground. The Giants are not a great run defense. The question for me, when you're talking about Herbert's like upside is how much he's going to do in the passing game. Cause he has not been great in the passing game through his first you know season and three games. The bears do have Tristan Ebner, a rookie who, you know, did some of that, some passing game stuff in college. So you could see Herbert lose some snaps to Ebner in the passing game, but I think Herbert is, you know, is going to get you a 15 to 20 carries in this one. 
Yeah, I mean, the Bears are going to throw the ball 16 times, so there are only so many snaps to lose in that area. The diagnosis on David Montgomery, by the way, is that I bet on him last week. So the, his leg just crumpled under that pressure because that's what happens every single time that I do it. Yeah, it's when, when he's uh, when he's a popular DFS player. I remember last Thanksgiving, he was super popular in that game against the Lions. I think he got hurt in that game as well. It's happened multiple times where he's like DFS chalk and then, and then leaves the game. Yeah, his body just can't hold up to it. It crumples under that pressure. Um, So, yeah, Khalil Herbert's an easy start if Montgomery's out. We'll watch and see what happens. And absolutely nobody else in the Chicago offense, at least until they top 20 passes in an NFL game. On the Giants side, Sterling Shepard, you got to feel bad for. Torres left ACL at the very end of a game that they were out of anyway. Same leg where he tore his Achilles tendon last year. That at least can be a defibrillator for Kadarius (laughs) Toney. Now, Tony did not play in that game, had the hamstring injury, still not practicing Wednesday. So we'll see if he's even playing this week. I don't think you can put him in any lineups yet. So it doesn't really matter his specific status for this week. But before that week three, he did see a boost to his playing time from week one to two. And I mean, we're still talking about an offense that absolutely needs him to do something this year. They're starting David Sills, the fifth, who has eight targets through three games. Yeah, I think Tony and Wondell Robinson, who he's still out with his knee injury, but you know should be back within the next few weeks. I think both those guys are worth stashing because, yeah, it's not it's Richie James, David Sales, and that's Kenny Galladay and Darius Slayton. Who I think the Giants hate those two guys more than they hate Darius Tony. So you know, e- either Tony or Robinson, maybe both of them are going to get on the field when they're healthy. Um, I think Richie James is the guy to. You know, I, I think Richie James is now like Greg Dorch, uh, you know for the giants. Like he, he might get, you know, six, seven, eight targets right now, you know, with the, the state of this wide receiver core, he's not, he's not exciting. He's not you know a big play throughout, especially in this offense, but if you need, you know, 10 to 12 PPR points, I think Richie James could be, could be an option this week. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of Richie James, so I'm not against it. Six, six and five targets in three games so far, which is, you know, good for Richie James, but also a signal of how bad things are for the giants offense. To, to be honest, not, not really a knock, on Richie James. He's just a guy who's been in the league for four years, was a seventh round pick, hasn't stuck anywhere despite, you know, flashing here and there. And he, he has kick return upside. So like, he's the kind of player that should be able to stick on a roster. Maybe if he Mm -hmm. had landed with the Patriots at some point, he'd be (laughs) one of those guys that's just a Patriot for 12 years. And he pops up every once in a while for a game, but he hasn't been able to stick anywhere yet. So that's, that's how things are going in the giants pass offense right now. Yeah, the, the, the Shepard injury that leaves behind 26% of the Giants' targets through the first three games. So that's a, a huge opening as far as targets go. Um, Daniel Bellinger is a guy I picked up for cheap in a couple FFPC leagues last night. Um, I don't think he's very good, and this offense, obviously, the passing game isn't very good. Um, but we, we did see Bellinger season highs on the, in that Monday night game against the Cowboys with five targets, four catches, and 40 yards. Still only ran a route on about half the pass play, so we definitely need that to climb. But it, it does seem like his role has, has grown over the past three weeks. And, they you know, they, again, they need they need bodies out there uh, with, with Shepard out. Yeah, I mean, he is a rookie, so it's it's fair to think that there's room for his role to keep growing. Um, yep. Yeah, we'll see where that goes. Certainly nothing exciting. It's, it's Saquon Barkley and chill on this offense, if you can help yes. us. Seattle at Detroit Lions by four and this one over under 48 and Jared Geno Smith is it Geno Smith for the win after 325 yards passing in week three quarterback seven last week at fantasy points he was quarterback 17 in week one he was quarterback 30 in week two but I mean he's he's been 
decent. Um, this is a good matchup. Um, I think, yeah, I don't think you need to go his way in, in uh, one quarterback leagues, but I think he's a, he's a pretty nice quarterback too this week. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always going to be somebody who's like, should I start Geno Smith this week over Tom Brady or whatever? And it's like, I mean, might he outscore him? Yeah. Can I comfortably tell you to go ahead and start Geno Smith? No. Can I say there's enough chance that he's better that you can do it if you really want to? Yeah. That's kind of where I end up landing. It's like, you can make a case for it, but it's really a gut call. I'm probably going to play Tom Brady. I'm probably not rostering Geno Smith in a one quarterback league, but you know, am I going to bet you money that Tom Brady outscores him this week? No. Seattle is ninth in neutral pass rate right now. <laughs> like they were, they were never anywhere close to ninth with, with Russell Wilson there. So I don't, I don't know what's going on. And neutral is still the way to describe this offense on whole. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, basically even every week. Uh, they were both undervalued preseason Lockett, especially because he's short. Um, I'm watching to see if Jeff Okuda is a factor here. And, you know, I mentioned him earlier. He's a corner for Detroit who was originally like the third overall pick, I believe, a few years ago. Uh, missed, I think it was all of last year, almost all of last year with an injury. It was either last year or the year before. Um, but Pro Football Focus intern Arjun Manan tweeted Monday some matchup numbers for Jeff Okuda. And he has spent time in coverage on A.J. Brown, on Devontae Smith, on Terry McLaurin, and on Justin Jefferson through three games so far. And based on the numbers, Okuda might be limiting how often quarterbacks are targeting those guys. If you look at week one, he faced Devontae Smith. 21 times, 21 different snaps, and Devontae Smith got one target in that game. Now, we watched that game. We saw A.J. Brown dominate targets, and we're like, oh, Jalen Hurts is throwing to his best friend. Maybe that was a thing. It's also possible that they were like, wow, Devontae Smith is blanketed right now. I'm just going to throw it to A.J. Brown. Week three, he covered Jefferson on 31 snaps. Jefferson got four targets among those 31 snaps, caught two of them. So, like I said, maybe. I don't, I'm not saying watch out for Jeff Okuda in matchups right now. I'm saying mm-hmm. let's see if this is a factor. And I think if I am deciding between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett this week, DK Metcalf's much more likely to face Jeff Okuda more often in coverage. So that's enough for me to be like, all right, these two guys are kind of on a seesaw for me week in, week out anyway. So this week I'm going to go with Tyler Lockett, who's not facing that potential factor. Yeah, I, I think that's very fair picking between them. To, uh, to me, I'm not going to alter my Metcalf ranking much, if at all. I mean, I, I think, first of all, I think Metcalf is good enough, big enough, fast enough to be any corner in the NFL, and even if Jeff Okuda is an elite corner. Um, to me, the matchup thing is just – it just pushes Lockett up the rankings because, you know, maybe it does mean some more action is funneled his way if Geno Smith doesn't want to attack Okuda. So, um you know, Metcalf and Lockett are both in like the mid twenties among wide receivers in their rankings. I think they're both pretty nice starts again in, in, in a good matchup against Detroit in a game that could be a lot higher scoring than uh, people think it's going to be. These teams met last year um, and it, it was a shootout late in the season. And, you know, Detroit's offense wasn't nearly as good as it is right now. Mm-hmm. On the Detroit side, TJ Hawkinson did not practice Wednesday with a foot injury. Amon Ross St. Brown was not practicing because of his ankle injury. Uh, kicker Austin Seibert was out with a groin injury. And I, to me, that's you go ahead and drop a kicker who misses Wednesday practice regardless of status. DJ Chark limited with an ankle injury. So we'll, we'll see where everybody is as we move through the week among those guys. DeAndre Swift, though, seems likely to miss at least the next two games leading up to the week six bye. Yes, that's what it sounds like. So I think you're going to get a Jamal Williams game here. Um, we saw three games from Williams that you know Swift missed all or at least 
most of last season. Jamal Williams averaged 17 carries and two targets across those three games. And, you know, he's in a better offense this year behind an O-line that's playing better. And he gets this matchup against Seattle dead last in our adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, They've given up 5.1 yards per carry to running back. So it's just a a great spot for Jamal Williams. I think if you have him, you're, you're very likely starting Williams this week. Yes, I agree. Um, And certainly worth picking up if you don't have him later. There are lots of questions about that this week. Uh, One specific that I came across that's tougher is do I drop AJ Dillon for Jamal Williams? And it's like, I don't really want to drop AJ Dillon for the season to get Jamal Williams. Do I think Jamal Williams is going to outscore? Is he likely to outscore AJ Dillon over the next two weeks? Yeah, I would bet that Jamal Williams scores more points over the next two weeks. So if I need that guy for two weeks because my RBs are shambles otherwise, then I guess I could see the move in that case. Overall, though, I'd much rather have AJ Dillon for the full season. Yeah, so would I. Dylan over Williams, rest away. That, that's got to be such a shallow league, though, that like there's probably other quality guys available on the waiver wire. So, like, especially if that team is 0 and 3 and is like desperate for a win this week, then you know maybe the Williams for you know or Dylan out, Williams in move makes makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen a drop. Do I drop Carson Wentz for Jared Goff this week? And we do have Jared Goff ahead of Carson Wentz, and these guys are in a range where I think it's okay to yep. just say, yeah, I like this guy better this week, so I'm going to drop this one to pick him up. We'll talk about Carson Wentz in a few minutes, but this is the range I'm looking at in this week's rankings, Jared, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tagovailoa, Jared Goff, Kirk <laughs> Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz. And those guys are in order directly from our rankings. I could see those seven finish in absolutely any order this week, but I do like Jared Goff's spot better than Carson Wentz's. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Wentz outscores Goff, but I you know, pretty clearly prefer Goff this week. Um, he's been he's been decent in fantasy so far. He's gone quarterback nineteen, quarterback seven, and then quarterback eighteen. Um, you know, we talked about the Lions have the high implied total this week, one of the highest on the entire week. And then Seattle is thirty first in Football Outsiders pass defense rankings, twenty eighth in adjusted points allowed to quarterback. So, yeah, J- Jared Goff quarterback eleven in our rankings this week. Uh, you know, the high the highest he's been since his Rams days. I'm sure. And we get plenty rest of the way questions about guys like this. I neither Jared Goff nor Carson Wentz is a guy I'm saying yes, bet on him the rest of the way. So I think yeah. if we're talking about that group of players, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence, Kirk Cousins are the guys that I feel best about rest of the way. Tua is close to them, but a little bit more fragile, I think, than those three. Yeah, if you're making decisions like Goff versus Wentz, to me, that's totally who you prefer for this week because neither guy is, is a mustache for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Anything else from that game? Jacksonville at Philadelphia Eagles by six and a half in this one. Cause apparently the odds makers did not watch last year, last week's Jaguars over under a 47. So we get a Jacksonville offense that was shockingly good against the chargers last week. We get an Eagles defense. That's been excellent the past two weeks against the Vikings and the commanders. What happens when these two meet each other on Sunday? Honest answer is I have no idea. And I think that's important. It sounds like a cop-out, but I think it's important to realize that we're so early in the season that if you assume that you know things, you're a lot of time, you're, you're going to be wrong just as often as you're right. And if you are sure one way or the other, not only do you run the risk of missing out, but you also run the risk of confirm, like confirming your own bias in the coming week. Like if you say, 
Oh, Jacksonville was awesome last week. They were good. They were awesome the week before. They're definitely ready to go. Trevor Lawrence was the first overall pick. Doug Peterson's done it before. It's definitely Jacksonville. And then if they go score on Philadelphia this week, you're like, yeah, see, I was right. And then later in the season, you're like, I was right about this offense before. I'm going to be right again. Then you make the wrong call there. So I maybe it's just me getting older, Jared, but I have come away from making, you know, hot take picks on stuff like that and realize mm-hmm. like, I don't know as much as I think I do. None of us really knows as much as we think we do. We'll make an educated guess here and we'll make sure that we're not overstating. Yeah. There, there's some like levels of, of learning thing where like, you know, the, the first step is admitting that you don't know anything and that you can kind of start to you know, improve from there. But um, I mean, I mean, her, uh, Lawrence did it last week in a tough matchup against the Chargers. Now the Eagles defense, pass defense is even better. You know, looking at adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks or football outsiders, pass defense, DVOA. Um, and that implied total for Jacksonville is scary if you're starting Lawrence. I mean, 19.75, that's that, that's low. Um, so, you know, the bookmakers aren't totally buying into this Jags offense yet. But, man, we, we talked about Lawrence so much this summer and saying, you know, that he, he could really – break out this season with a legitimate coaching staff. And it sure looks to me like that's happening. I mean, he was so good in that win over the chargers. Um, if he's going to play that well, like he, you know, I'm not going to say he's, he's matchup proof, but he can put up decent fantasy points, even in a, in a tough matchup like this. Yeah. And I mentioned that range of quarterbacks earlier, and he was second in that range, which I believe starts at QB eight in our rankings this week, right behind Derek Carr. And that that's why that's how I would play him because you know, we're talking about a bunch of guys that could go in any direction and it could be a difficult matchup. And maybe it does make us regret having played Trevor Lawrence this week. But we are talking about a guy with supreme talent. He was the number one overall pick. He's got plenty of pass catching talent around him. He's got an experienced head coach. They were terrific the past two weeks. So I feel best about playing Trevor Lawrence among that group of players. Am I sure that he's going to do it this week? Absolutely not. But I feel best about him this week. And I also like the chances of him turning into somebody that we can rely on um, for most weeks going forward ahead of those other quarterbacks in that range. For sure. Yeah. I like him over all those guys I, you know, besides Derek Carr. I don't know if you included him in there. Um, and yeah, I would definitely not go dropping Trevor Lawrence for those other types. Cause I, yeah, I'm with you. I do think he's the, he has the best chance to be like a, you know, weekly low end quarterback one. We got a question from Brian Draper on Facebook. Um, he's got Hollywood Browns, got Christian Kirk, got Mike Williams. Since we've already hit two of those teams so far, I think it's a good time to answer it. Wants to start two among those players. I'm not sure if it's PPR or another format. What do you like, Jared, between Hollywood Brown, Christian Kirk, Mike Williams? Who's sitting? Kirk's actually, I'm mean, assuming it's PPR. Kirk's the one I'm playing first, actually. Um, and then. Between the other two, I'd probably lean Williams over Brown just because I'd feel better about the Chargers offense getting going than the Cardinals offense. Although, you know, Brown's, Brown's a better target bet than Williams for sure. Yeah, and Marquise Brown's actually a little bit ahead of Mike Williams in our PPR rankings. And that's who I would play because I'm chasing targets there and I feel better about Marquise Brown's target share. And, you know, I don't feel awesome about either of the offenses right now. Uh, if Justin Herbert were healthy, that might change it a little bit. But for me, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely Kirk first. And then I'm probably slightly leaning Brown over Williams. Yeah, so Kirk, Kirk has the good matchup in this game in the slot, right? You know, he's going to avoid Darius Slay. So he, he's already been the, the Jags target leader. And I would expect that to continue in this game. Evan Ingram's also in a positive spot. The Eagles 11th most friendly to tight end so far. So it's not like a blow up spot for tight ends. And obviously, like I said, we're only in week four. We got three games going, but the Eagles have been a negative matchup for wide receivers. So he's at least in a better spot than the wideouts on the outside. 
Yeah, 81% route rate for Ingram through three weeks, which is awesome. Uh, just a 13.5% target share. We need that to climb a little bit. But I, I think it will if he's you know, out there for that many pass routes. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other – well, actually, we should probably talk about the backfield, but it's like only because James Robinson has become a guy that you have to start. Yeah, so we, we still haven't seen negative game script for the Jags, which is crazy to say through three weeks. Like, I'm still curious to see if they fall behind by a couple scores in this they game. They were trailing Washington week one, weren't they? Yeah, but not – like, I don't think it was ever more than a one-score game. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't – they weren't in, like, pure catch-up mode at any point in that game. So I'm just curious to see exactly what it looks like. Um when, when we do get that, but yeah, I mean, Robinson tough not to start the Eagles run defense has not been that good through three games. So it's a, a decent spot for James Robinson. And then, you know, Travis Etienne's uh, you know, very fringy PPR play. Well, so we just need one 50 yard touchdown from James Robinson. Yeah. And his day is made. Everything else is gravy. I, I can't remember who tweeted it, but someone pointed out Robinson has like three long runs so far this season. And outside of those, he's like under three yards per carry. So I'm not, I'm definitely not giving up on ETM yet. Yeah, the the other side of that though is if James Robinson's already broken three long runs through three games, then mm-hmm. there's no reason to bet against him running at this point. He, I think he got faster post Achilles tear. It's great. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go tear my Achilles and see if maybe I can get my career jumps. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably don't probably don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't know. At least it'll get people serving me drinks and food around <laughs> here for a little while. Right. On the Philly side, we got Devontae Smith limited Wednesday with a back issue. Miles Sanders limited with a hip issue. I think any time that Miles Sanders shows up on the injury report, you're like, uh-oh. Um, but we'll see where things go with that. Not a worrisome spot yet. Devontae Smith, Jared, what's the case for him not sitting higher than 33rd in our PPR rankings this week? Uh, we saw him goose egg in week one, and I still think, I still think he's going to be volatile from week to week. And, then, you know, we've just seen – two of his, you know, we saw the one, he was wide receiver one in fantasy. You know, he led all receivers in fantasy points last week, even in um, week two, you know, he only finished wide receiver 30 that week. I mean, he didn't score a touchdown. That always swings that stuff wildly, but that I, I haven't really changed my mind on Smith yet. What I've changed is that this Eagles passing game is way better than I thought it was going to be. So that, that definitely helps Jonathan Smith gives him a higher ceiling than I expected, but I still think he's going to be volatile from week to week. He's going to be a bit frustrating. There's going to be games where it's, you know, 12 targets to, to A.J. Brown and eight to Dallas Goddard, and Devontae Smith only gets five. So you're going to have to live with that. But um, this Eagles passing game looks so good that Smith's definitely going to have more big games going forward. Yeah, I think he's in a range where the rankings are really more nebulous. Like, it's it's easier to say, you know, this guy is 14 this week because they'll jump around some. But once you get down to, like, 25 to, to 40 some weeks mm-hmm. – it's like there's not usually a whole lot separating those guys. So if you really have a strong feeling for one versus the other, um, you know, if you're reading potential game script, there's plenty of room to make your own decisions in that range. Devontae Smith's a guy that I would be scared to sit right now. Uh, among guys around him in the rankings currently, I'm playing him over Bateman. I'm playing him over the Saints. Uh, I'm playing him over the Jets. And I'm playing him over Juju Smith-Schuster. And then you get into the range of Gabe Davis, Curtis Samuel, Seahawks. That's where it's kind of a toss-up for me. I knew Juju was going to be on that list for you. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's it's definitely close. Like to me, Bateman's pretty similar to Devontae Smith. Honestly, like there's fewer guys in Baltimore, but like you know, Bateman's usage has kind of been all over the map too. Um, I just I just like that game environment quite a bit better, so I, I would probably lean towards Bateman there. All right, we'll get to that specific game here pretty soon. Devontae Smith versus Juju Smith-Schuster is just a mismatch in talent. Yeah, I, I have no argument there, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's still Patrick Mahomes' top wide receiver. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that when we get to that game, but I think that might be the disconnect here. 
Um, Rashad Bateman, by the way, not spending as much time on the field um, as Devontae Smith relative to drop back. So I think that's yeah. a nudge in Smith's favor. But we'll talk more about Bateman um, when we get to that game as well. Anybody else from the Philly game? No, uh, you know, Miles Sanders disappointed last week in fantasy, but his usage was like right where it was the first two weeks. So, like, you know, he, he, he didn't score. He wasn't as efficient on the ground. This is a tough match. Again, Jacksonville's defense has been good against the pass and against the run. Um, so, you know, Sanders is a running back three this week. But, you know, again, nothing changed with his usage in week three. Mm-hmm. Jets at Pittsburgh Steelers by three and a half here over under 41 and a half. Not a game that anybody should watch considering the quarterbacks. <laughs> What does Zach Wilson's impending return mean for this offense, Jared? I mean, the, the first thing with the Jets passing game, and this isn't, you know, knock against Wilson, but the, the pass volume's coming down because they've averaged 52 pass. I, I heard uh, Mike Shope say last night on the Deep End podcast that it's an NFL record for most pass attempts through the first three games of the season, 52 pass attempts per game. So that, that's coming down, which, you know, is going to mean fewer targets for all these guys. Um I don't love Zach Wilson, but Joe Flacco wasn't playing well. You know, he had a 59% completion rate and 5.8 yards per attempt. So it's a pretty low bar for Wilson to clear to be an upgrade for this passing game. So I do think he might be an upgrade for the passing game in general. And then, you know, getting more specific into positions, Jets running backs and wide receivers have combined for 41% of the team's targets through the first three games of the season. I think that number is coming down. So I think, I think Tyler Conklin's target rate is probably coming down a little bit. I think the running backs target shares are probably coming down a bit too. And then you're going to see, you know, obviously more targets go to Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, and Corey Davis. Yeah. So Jared gave you a nice breakdown of that. My answer is I don't, I have no idea because <laughs> we haven't seen this group play any football yeah. games together yet. So, you know, there are definitely reasons to, to, have thoughts in all of those directions, but Zach Wilson was not good for running back targets last year. That was a small sample. We'll see if that changes this year. Um, and then he just hasn't played with this collection of players. So we have no idea if he thinks the same way about Garrett Wilson that Joe Flacco does, or if it's just the offense that's funneling things to Garrett Wilson. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that Garrett Wilson is the, the top wide receiver here, you know, by the slight margin that it has been so far. Because as we've alluded to before, not alluded to, we talked about it overtly. Um, Elijah Moore is spending more time on the field than Garrett Wilson, but he's Garrett Wilson's getting targeted much more often per route than um, Elijah Moore is. So I think for now, you know, we, we bring in Zach Wilson. We're going to wait and see what changes, but we go ahead and treat the hierarchy as the same as it has been through three weeks. Yeah, Moore did set a season high last week with a 19% target share, so that was encouraging to see if he can, you know, be 19, 20%. You know, even if Wilson's out targeting him, uh, you know, Moore can be a fantasy factor. And then in, in the backfield, I mean, it was did we see the beginning of Brees Hall taking over this backfield? Um, you know, he set season highs last week in snap rate, 51% to 49% from Michael Carter, uh, 48% of the pass routes for Brees Hall last week. That was also a season high, season high, eight carries, season high, 11 targets. Um, so I, I kind of think we, we I, I think Hall is going to, you know, play ahead, you know, play more snaps than, than Michael Carter for the majority of the games the rest of the way. Yes, I would like to believe that what we just saw was a flip that's going to change how things go going forward. We obviously can't say for sure because we can come back this week and have it be different, but that's how I would guess going forward. And then, you know, the other thing that we have to wait and see is what Zach Wilson means for the targets going that way. I think the one thing we can safely assume is everybody's target volume coming down. Yes, they're not averaging 52 attempts. They're probably not going to even average 42 past attempts the rest of the game. So it's going to be pretty significant. 
Yeah. Maybe the most important answer is nobody on the Jets is as exciting as you might think he is right now the rest of this season. Exactly. Steelers side, we need better quarterbacking still before anybody beyond Deontay Johnson at wide receiver, at least, is really going to be in play in most cases. It should be Kenny Pickett soon. We have at least, like Mike Tomlin has stopped saying uh, Mitchell Trubisky's our guy. He's saying stuff like, (laughs) well, we're going to evaluate the whole situation, then we'll see how we're moving forward. So I think it's going to be Kenny Pickett soon. I'm going to stop short of saying that's going to be a big boost for the offense, but it certainly can't hurt to bring in somebody that has a chance of playing better than the guy already there. But until then it's Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth is fine. And uh, Najee Harris is fine. Yeah. Unfortunately, I thought last week was Trubisky's best game of the season so far. And PFF actually had him as the, the fifth highest graded quarterback on the week. So that, that, you know, I don't expect that play to continue, but you know, probably buys him a few more weeks as the starter. So yeah, you're right. I mean, De- Deontay Johnson, He's seen, he's seen 30 plus percent of the targets in all three games so far. Um, he's 20th among receivers in expected fantasy points, but he's just 38th in actual half PPR points. So he's just, you know, vastly underperforming the targets he's seeing. I do think that'll improve a bit going forward, but um, yeah, I, I do think Kenny Pickett would help Deontay Johnson and, and uh, the rest of these receivers. I mean, the upshot of the quarterback stuff is that I guarantee you Mike, Mike Tomlin's not checking PFF grids <laughs> and the Steelers are one and two so far. And that win yeah. came in overtime against the Bengals. So I, I, I'm sure that that weighs more heavily in his calculation than it does in PFF grids. Hopefully. <laughs> um, anything else in that game? No. Cleveland at Atlanta Browns by one and a half over under 49 Jared it's clear (laughs) that Amari Cooper deserves more weekly attention than any of us were willing to give him before last Thursday how about over under a 49 in a Browns Falcons game that's that's unbelievable and yeah looking at looking at the numbers I think I think it makes sense like I'm I'm definitely not betting the under um yeah I mean Amari Cooper 37 and 36 percent target shares last two weeks like any receiver is gonna you know have big games and those type of target shares. So it's good to see. And Jacoby Brissett's playing well. Like he, he's, he's playing well enough to support Amari Cooper as, you know, a weekly fantasy starter. So I have nothing to worry about in this matchup this week. I think, I think, you know, Cooper's in wide receiver two range in our rankings this week. Yeah. And certainly belongs up there. We'll see if he can steady out in there. I mean, it's, it's tough to look at two straight big weeks and say, yeah, but there's still downside. It's a lot easier to just roll with the guy who did it for you last week. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where we go from here. Um, by the way, the over-under is down to 47 and a half now that I'm looking mm. at it. So maybe they're not quite as big believers as they were, but it's still one of the highest of the week. So it's, it's a spot to go for more fantasy value than we might have guessed when we were looking at the schedule um, coming in. David Njoku had the big game last week. I would love to say that it was a breakout game and we're starting him going forward. But the truth is he had 10 targets in that game after one and five in the first two games. The usage has been there the whole time. So that didn't change in that game. So, I mean, ultimately, David Njoku's fine, but we're going to have to watch and see because it's it's not likely that he has a lot more games that are close in opportunity and production to what he did in week three. Yeah, definitely not a must start, but I do think he's an option this week and, and a pretty good option. I mean, like you said, the route rates had been where we wanted them to be all year, you know, even the first two games, even though the targets weren't. So it was nice to see the targets finally start to come. So if that continues, that's good news, obviously. And then this matchup, um, again, you know, we have the high over under. We have a pretty nice implied total for the Browns. And then Atlanta, 30th in our adjusted points allowed to tight ends. And Football Outsiders has them 24th in tight end coverage. So nice individual matchup for Njoku. Yeah. 
Um, backfield is what it is. Nick Chubb, yep. Kareem Hunt, you play there and play weekly. On the other side, Marcus Mariota, the overall numbers suggest that he belongs in the same territory as those QB1-2 fringe guys that we mentioned earlier. He's probably a little bit flimsier, though, than those players. He had the big rushing day in week one, 72 yards and a touchdown on the ground on 12 attempts. But since then, just 13 total rushing attempts over two games, just 20 total rushing yards in those two games. Last week, Mm -hmm. he had one touchdown, but just four yards on the ground. He's been under 230 passing yards in each game, despite two losses in that span, 26.3 pass attempts per game. The Falcons, the second fewest pass attempts in the league. So, you know, limited volume there, limiting the opportunities. Marcus Mariota is usable, but might not even be quite as usable as his fantasy totals through three weeks suggest. So he's quarterback 12 right now in total fantasy points among, you know, among quarterbacks. And he's finished, uh, finished week one and week three. He's a top 10 fantasy quarterback. But I, I agree with you. It does feel flimsy. Um, this, this, this has been one of the run heaviest offenses in the league. The Falcons are 27th in neutral pass rate. I think they want to continue going that direction. Um, so I, I, you know, Mario's going to, going to have some duds. Um, again, though, this is a, a good spot though. You know, it could be a high scoring game. The Browns are 21st in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. They're 27th in adjusted points allowed to quarterback. So, um, would not be shocking if Mariota, you know, turns in another top 12 quarterback week. I did start him over Russell Wilson in two leagues last week. I will probably do the same thing again because I certainly don't feel good about Russell Wilson at this point. We'll get to him. (laughs) Cordero Patterson, 22 carries in week one, playing from ahead, 17 carries in the week three win over Seattle. In between, he had an even split with Tyler Algier. I would feel a whole lot better about Patterson if he weren't splitting the receiving work so much with other guys in the backfield, Jared. Yeah, I, I love CPAT. He made me a bunch of money last year. I would be looking to sell him hard if I had him. Um, I, I don't like him in this role. Um, you know, he, he he averaged like 10 carries per game last season, and he couldn't hold up. He totally wore down at the end of the season to the point where, you know, Atlanta couldn't give him more than a handful of touches per game. So, you know, I, I want to see fewer carries, a lot fewer carries, and more targets, um, more, you know, route participation. It's just I don't I don't like how – using him i don't think it's gonna gonna last i think he's a fine play this week um i think this game could stay close enough and the browns run d has just been average so far um so you know maybe you get one more good game out of cpat and then looking to looking to sell him next week drake london's role has been excellent again though the team has attempted the league's second fewest passes so i think that keeps drake london from being as comfy a play as he could be he's another one who's kind of a coin flip in the range of Devonte smith and curtis samuel for me just for that factor yeah. I'm starting London. He, he's just so good. Did you see his touchdown last week? No. <laughs> it was sweet. It was, he, you know, he caught like a curl to five and spun off a guy, broke a tackle and got into the end. He's just, he's so good. And yeah, the pass volume is a concern, but I think he's going to stay, you know, at 25 to 30% of this team's targets. Um, so I, he, you know, to me, he, he's pretty much locked into my lineup every week as a wide receiver too, unless I'm loaded at the position. Yeah, I would probably ultimately wind up with him in my lineup, especially over Samuel Devontae Smith. It would be that would be a scary one this week, but I, you know, it it's it's closer than it would be if Atlanta were throwing the ball more. Kyle Pitts, I mean, you kind of have to play him, but I would sure love to trade Kyle Pitts the first time there's a good opportunity because last week looks like a get right game, but even if you look at that game, he actually got less playing time in situations where it should be a favorable passing set. Yeah, that that was not great to see the 68% route rate. That was a season. I mean, his route rates have been all over the place. These first 
three weeks. Um, but he got a 40% target share last week. I mean, he's second among all tight ends in area arts. He's seventh among tight ends and expected fantasy points. Like you definitely have to reset your expectations. Like, you know, Pitts is not going to return value based on where you draft him. But I mean, who are you taking at tight end over Kyle Pitts the rest of the way? Obviously, Kelsey Andrews. You know, beyond that, who who would you rather have at the position? Oh, well, let's see about that. It's not. I mean, a, Waller probably, right? Waller. Yeah, Kittle? I would say Waller. Like, I I don't think I think Zach Ertz is at least even with Kyle Pitts the rest of the way because I think he's at least as good a bet for um, target volume. I would rather have George Kittle. I'd rather have Dallas Goddard. I don't know if you said his name. Um, and then he's just kind of in the mix with everybody else. I'd, I'd much rather have Pitts over Ertz because Ertz's target volume is going to decline once they get more and Hopkins back. It's 17%. 17% when? Uh, Zach Ertz is a 17% target share so far, so I think he can stay at that level going forward yeah. even after DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore back. I mean, like if I'm if I'm looking to trade Kyle Pitts, it's not me looking to trade him straight up for another tight end because he certainly could outscore Zach Ertz or George Kittle or whatever the rest of the way. I would use him in a trade that also involves another position so I can upgrade somewhere else and then get a tight end that I think has a similar outlook. I, I just think he's going to be very inconsistent because you know, we talked about this. He's used as a wide receiver and he's used as like a, a deep wide receiver. I'm trying to pull up his average depth. He has a 15.7 yard average depth of target. Like, you know, any player with that type of usage is going to be inconsistent. I just think he, I think he's going to have, you know, some, big ish games at least i mean you know even last week what he did without scoring a touchdown he still finished the week i believe as a top five tight end um so he's not going to be consistent but i think he's going to give you the, the spike weeks and that, that that's 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 tough to find at tight end but we're also talking about that in an offense that's not going to favor his target volume or his touchdown chances so you know i'm not saying somebody to yeah. give up on completely i just i don't think that he's separated from those low tight end one guys like i don't think that we're going to end the season with Kyle Pitts way ahead of Pat Fryermuth and Tyler Higby in fantasy points. Yeah, maybe not. I also I also don't think you're going to get a ton for Pitts in a trade or now because I don't I think anyone's excited about him. Yeah, I, I'm, this is probably not the week yet. Like he had a positive game, but even that wasn't a big one. So he's the kind of guy that if we got if you know if he goes out for like one sixteen and a touchdown this week, I'm probably going to see what the market looks like. That's 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 fair. If he can get you know, fourth round value from, from pits in a trade. I would, I would probably do it. And again, it's a package thing. It's not like I'm going out and trading him straight up for a tight end or even like straight up for somebody in another position. Cause I'm not sure tight end can match wide receiver in one-to-one value um, yep. generally. All right. Anything else from that game? No. Tennessee at Indianapolis Colts by three over under 42 and a half trail on Burks. No practice Wednesday. It's an illness. So we'll watch that. But usually those guys end up being able to play by the weekend. Kyle Phillips, Limited Wednesday with a shoulder issue. Austin Hooper, no practice with a neck injury. That's not really relevant for Hooper. But if he's out, maybe Jeff Swaim is like a, a DFS option. I hope if Hooper's out, that just you know funnels more targets Traylon Burks' way. Uh, we finally got the playing time last week. He led all Titans wide receivers in pass routes. Ninety-seven percent of the the pass plays Burks was running her out on. Now I, the reason I and I, I played him a ton in DFS last week, and like I, I feel like it was a good play it just didn't work out you know the playing time was there he just didn't produce um i do wonder if kyle phillips being out because that was one of the reasons i liked the burks plays because phillips was out i kind of thought they'd have to play burks a lot more so i do wonder if phillips comes back if burks's playing time scales back a little bit but um i like this matchup here um the colts much tougher against the the run 
than the past. Football Outsiders has them second in run defense, 27th in pass defense. So I know it won't happen, but Tennessee should actually lean pass in this game. Um, it'd be nice to see. Um, but yeah, I, I think Burks is, um, you know, he's not even inside wide receiver three range in our rankings, but you know, if you're playing four wide receivers and you need that flex spot, I think, I think he's an option. It's fun to dream, but I think it's Derrick Henry and nobody else here uh, because yeah, Tennessee. That's, that, that's not going to work. Derrick Henry. So again, the Colts have been good against the run this year. <laughs> they were good last year. They held Derrick Henry to 3.2 yards per carry in their two meetings yeah. last year. And he still carried the ball 28 times in each of those games. Disgusting. <laughs> so they don't want to throw the ball. You can, I mean, if you want to get on the phone with Mike Vrabel and tell him what they should <laughs> do this weekend, I would love to listen to that phone call, but uh, for me, it's Derrick Henry and nobody else from Tennessee, unless I have to this week. On the other side, Jonathan Taylor, no practice Wednesday with a toe injury. We'll see where that goes. Have you heard anything about the severity or whatever, the outlook on that? Uh, let me pull it up. There's a, there was a report that it um, is not serious. It was from uh, Tom Pelissero. Taylor had some soreness coming out of the Chiefs game, but a source told Pelissero that Taylor will be, quote, ready to roll versus the Titans. So it seems like it'll be fine. It's funny because every time we get a lead running back missing Wednesday practice, people are like, oh, God, no Jonathan Taylor this week. Who is <laughs> yeah. the man to own? But, you know, like it, I, it's it's kind of surprising that all of these running backs don't just get Wednesday off. Like, oh, yeah. I, I would consider doing that, I think, as a coach, just being like, dude, yes. we're going to give you the ball a lot. Please sit down Wednesday, um, you know, and have something to drink. Yeah. So. I- yeah, the, the thing you know, they allow they allow teams to list players as you know DNP with the rest now. So if the coaches would just do that rather than you know listing some body part, I think people wouldn't freak out as much. I mean, if I were a coach, though, I'd probably list it as a body <laughs> part just to get the freak yeah. out. It's fun. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll watch and see what happens, but not worried right now. And it's still just Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman in this offense. We got yes. Pittman back last week, and he and Naheem Hines were the only two Colts to catch more than three passes. Yeah, and a great spot for both of those guys, especially Taylor. Um, Tennessee 30th in adjusted points allowed to running backs. Titans have allowed 6.1 yards per carry to running backs so far. So if Taylor is healthy, I think this could be the week that he really gets going. What if he just stinks now, though? I mean, it's two straight relative duds from him, right? <laughs> he doesn't stink, but the offense might kind of stink because Matt Ryan stinks. Yeah, that's for sure. Washington at Dallas Cowboys by three over under 41 and a half. Carson Wentz, even after a bad fantasy line against the Eagles, still sixth among quarterbacks in points. Cowboys are mid pack as an adjusted fantasy matchup for quarterbacks right now. They face Tom Brady, face Joe Burrow, face Daniel Jones. So obviously Daniel Jones is a positive matchup, but we're still waiting to see exactly how this sets up as a matchup. But the Cowboys were good in past defense last year. They played the Bucks and Bengals well in that area. So I'm certainly not excited about the Washington yeah. passing game for this one. Yeah, Dallas sixth in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. So I think that's a better representation of, of this matchup. Uh, Dallas, of course, also has one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. So that's a concern for Carson Wentz. And then you have, you know, Washington with a 19.25 point implied total. So I, you know, again, I, I, um, I would not want to be starting Carson Wentz as a, as a quarterback one this week. Yeah, I mentioned earlier, even in a rough week, he's sitting 14th in our rankings right now. So somebody yeah. you can use, not somebody you reach to use. Exactly. Another guy I would love to rank a lot lower, but it's just there's a lot of issues at quarterback this week. Mm-hmm. Antonio Gibson, I think he's the guy that you got to get out while you can here. J.D. McKissick was ahead of him in receiving usage once again in week three. Gibson's averaging 3.1 yards per rush. He's 12th in PPR scoring, though, because he had the big receiving game in week one. He's had touchdowns each of the past two weeks, but... 
other than falling across the goal line, there has not been anything going right for him. Yeah, I don't think he's looked good the last two weeks. I, th- I thought he looked awesome in week one, so I was kind of excited about him. And I think he's kind of stunk the past two weeks. It, none of the usage in the backfield has surprised me yet. It's a, it's just a it's a direct correlation. The more Washington is trailing in games, the more J.D. McKissick, the less Antonio Gibson. Um, you know, Washington is, what, three-and-a-half-point underdogs in this one, so it's not great for Gibson. But I also think it's a game that should stay relatively close. I mean, with Cooper Rush still under center for Dallas. So I, I think Gibson's okay this week i'm with you though if you can you know somehow sell him for anything decent at this point i think that's a good move because we are gonna it looks like we're gonna get ryan robinson back uh within the next few weeks yeah there, there are some players where i'll say you know check the price but don't feel like you have to get rid of them for whatever you can get gibson's a guy i would say go ahead and trade for whatever of actual value you can get hayden hurst <laughs> that's not a trade <laughs> I'm um i wouldn't trade him to get uh kyle pitts no i might um uh, would you I I, I, I might move Antonio Gibson to get Kyle Pitts. I would have to, I'm not sure what my situation would be where that's actually (laughs) what I'm thinking about, but you know, I, that's, that's maybe a signal of how I feel about Antonio Gibson. He's somebody who could just be worthless like three weeks (laughs) from now. Yes. Dallas side, CD lamb might be blossoming. Um, We'll see what Michael Gallup means when he comes back. Hasn't gotten there yet. Sound like he was getting close for the Monday night game, but didn't play in that one. And then Dalton Schultz was also out for that game. So we're going to have to watch his knee. It sounded Jared, like he was like, he wanted to play and the team was like, nah. Yeah. It sounded like he at least had a chance and he was limited again in Wednesday's practice. So um, it's a PCL injury for him. Um, So I don't know. He, he'd, he'd be a tough call if he ends up playing, you know, unless he gets in like a full practice on Friday and is not on the injury report. Um, otherwise I think he's probably going to stay in tight end two range in our rankings. Uh, yeah. Aw- awesome stuff from CD lamb. I mean, he's getting the massive target shares that he kind of hadn't gotten his first couple seasons, 37% of Dallas's targets over the last two weeks with Cooper rush and lamb has now had, you know, three nice, you know, I guess two, two big fantasy games and one solid fantasy game with Cooper rush. Um, this is a nice matchup against Washington. Their, their corners have been getting roasted. Um, so I think, you know, lamb, not quite a wide receiver one, but I think he's like a really strong wide receiver too. Hmm. Tony Pollard, on the other hand, receiving usage, very disappointing so far. Less than half yeah. of the routes of Zeke Elliott in that game against the Giants. I don't, I don't understand that. Now the good news is, you know, Pollard looked awesome in the game against the Giants as, as he tends to do. And his carries have also gone six in week one, nine in week two, 13 in week three. Um, I think you could get a number like 13 this week again in a game that Dallas, you know, should either be playing with the lead or at least close enough where they can keep running the ball. Yeah, I thought Cooper Rush would be better for his target count, but if he's not on the field enough to get those targets, right. then you can't get the ball to him there. But I mean, it should be having Cooper Rush in there should be good for his carry volume because Dallas is probably not going to want to throw the ball as much with Cooper Rush as with yep. Dak Prescott. I was surprised in the underdog pick him last week, you could get. I believe it was Tony Pollard plus six and a half carries versus Zeke Elliott in that game. To me, that was an easy bet. I don't remember how we had him projected, but it hit, right? So it certainly did. Uh, Buffalo at Baltimore bills by three over under 51. Isaiah McKenzie is no more a play now than he was a week ago. Despite the numbers that he put up in Miami, it was the insane passing volume that inflated his production and the whole passing offense. Right, 90 plays and 63 pass attempts for those. So that's like literally a game and a half's worth of plays and pass attempts. So that inflated everything. Um, yeah, and, and, and McKenzie still split with Jamison Crowder. 55% of the routes for McKenzie, 49% for Crowder. So you, you still can't trust either guy in fantasy on that. I, I'm still not trusting Devin Singletary 
in fantasy lineups despite his you know massive receiving game uh 17 he, what he had what 11 targets 17 percent target share so it is a good target share if he if they can stay anywhere near that then he'll be usable but uh singletary saw a seven percent target share over the first two games of the season so again i'm not i'm not buying into what we saw last week yet yeah, I would say trusting Devin Singletary is too strong because he's he, he's dominating. So the, the positive is he's dominating the backfield. It started closer in week one. It has spread apart in the two ensuing games. He's well ahead of Zach Moss and James Cook in playing time and in receiving usage. And we love that side of it. The other side is he had 10 touches in week one. He had eight touches in week yeah. two. He had 18 in week three. But, you know, again, it was that target volume inflating everything. He's got no more than nine carries in any game. He had less than 20 rushing yards each of the past two weeks. So he's still the clear number one running back in an offense that doesn't like running backs. So you can use him. I would rather play him over either of the Dolphins running backs. Um, I would rather play him over J.D. McKissick. But it's certainly not to the point where you're like, oh, Devin Singletary should be in the top 24. Yes, he's definitely an RB3 or flex option, uh, especially in in PPR. I just, you know, don't go expecting – Singletary to be catching you know four or five balls a game going forward I mean, again maybe that's the case if the target share stays at you know 15 plus percent but I kind of am betting against that he does have six more opportunities on the season than Clyde Edwards Elaire, by the way so far and that's why CEH is the biggest sell in fantasy football oh yeah on the Baltimore side of this game well I guess we could talk Buffalo if you want but I'm not sure there's a whole lot more analysis I mean other guys are kind of where we uh, they're kind of what we expected at this point yeah, I mean, Dawson Knox has been this disappointing guy on the Bills offense. His route rates are way down from last season. He's been uh, 60% in week two, 59% in week three. He has just an 8% target share. Um, so, he, you know, he'll, he's still going to score some touchdowns. So he'll pop from time to time, but he's not going to be nearly reliable enough unless that usage improves. Yeah. On the Baltimore side now, J.K. Dobbins was limited Wednesday with a chest issue. That's what we needed. It was another injury to watch with J.K. <laughs> Dobbins. Um, you know, we'll see where that goes. It, it yeah. was an even backfield split between him and justice Hill. I would assume that we give more to just to JK Dobbins as we go, but I got to see it before I'm playing him in lineups. If I can help it. Now, Harbaugh was talking up, uh, justice Hill big time the other day saying like, you know, he, he knew he had star potential and we finally saw it in week three. So we'll see where that goes. I mean, to me, Dobbins limited as expected did not look like his explosive self, which is not a surprise either, you know, 3.3 yards per carry for Dobbins in that game last week. So for me, you know, we either need to see the playing time climb a lot or him just looking better before you can even consider putting him in a fantasy lineup. I don't know. I mean, John Harbaugh is a middle-aged white dude. He might just think Justice Hill is like a DC lawyer show on CBS. (laughs) It is one of the better names in the NFL. Um, So the other guy to, to keep in mind here is Gus Edwards because this week marks the last game that he has to stay on the pup. We'll see. Mm-hmm. He can be on it beyond that. He does still have a 21 day window beyond when they activate him to either join the active roster or head to IR. So we'll see where that is. But Gus Edwards is, is a guy to maybe stash in deeper leagues and just kind of watch reports on to see what they expect once he's ready. Yeah. I haven't heard any updates on Edwards since the season started. I don't know if that's good or bad. Yeah, I keep seeing things like, oh, he's progressing well, which doesn't really mean anything. Most guys don't publicly progress poorly, so you <laughs> right. know, we'll see where it goes. Rashad Bateman's usage, it's just been fine so far. And my question is, why is he not always in route? He's easily mm-hmm. the team's top wideout. Um, you know, the targets could be a little bit more explained away. We've got 
about twice as many for Mark Andrews versus what Bateman's got. He's still solidly ahead of everybody else on the team, but the usage just not quite as high for Bateman as I would like for somebody in his, in what his role I think should be. At least it's improving. He was 71% of the routes in week one, 74 in week two, actually a season high 79% last week. Um, So hopefully he, you know, keep climbing, get into the mid eighties, kind of where we'd like him to be. Um, you know, last week he got shut down by a Patriots defense that, you know, tends tends to shut down lead wide receivers. Now, he, he, Bateman has another tough matchup this week against the Bills, who, you know, the secondary is all sorts of banged up, but their defense just seem somehow seems to still be good despite losing all these bodies. I mean, they and they gave up 100 yards to Jalen Waddell last week, but that was, you know, on a you know, one or two big plays. They, they shut down Tyreek Hill for the most part. So it's another um, tough matchup for a shot, Bateman. What you like is, you know, that there are like, I think this is the only game I'm like excited about from a fantasy perspective on the entire week, like a game that really should shoot out. So you know, if that happens, that's, that's good news for, for Bateman's outlook. I hope it's a shootout. We'll see if the bills are just like, nah, we're just better than everybody this year. I mean, yeah. you know, it looked that's coming off a loss. So it sounds kind of silly, <laughs> but I, they had 90 plays versus like 30 for the dolphins last week. That game was a few goofball plays away from being a lopsided bills win. Yep. For sure. All right. Anything else from this particular game? No. Arizona at Carolina Panthers by one and a half over under a 42 and a half kicker. Matt Prater limited Wednesday with a hip injury. He out toss him off the roster. <laughs> yeah. He's limited with an injury. That's too much risk. Rondale Moore limited in practice Wednesday. It's the first time he practiced since suffering that hamstring injury in the Thursday practice of week one. So, I mean, is there a chance we get some Rondale Come Moore on. this week? Come on, Rondale. I want to see it. I want to see him in this role. Greg Dorch has been playing like Rondale Moore would be, I think a weekly wide receiver three, if he's, you know, playing the role that, that Greg Dorch. I just, I mean, I think he's better than Greg Dorch, more explosive. He can make more big plays off these short passes. So I, I even if more plays, I would not trust him this week. I, I'm even not entirely convinced that Moore is going to take over that job from Dorch right away. Like, I don't know. It's freaking Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, so I, I, I think he should. I mean, Dor- to me, Dorch is, he's fine. Like he right. does what he's supposed to do, but he's not, he's not adding anything to the offense. I think more can. So that's, I mean, that's one of those situations where if we are sitting here and judging from our perspective, then sure, you want to give more to the more talented guy. But I mean, in reality, if you are dealing with a team of humans and this guy has been playing well for you for three weeks, if you just cast him aside just because your former second round pick is back and ready to play, I think that you risk losing players. And, you know, there's, I I know that you want to make it a business, but there's definitely something to that. You got to respect guys that have been doing it for you. So I, I would bet that we get some kind of split right away. And it's, you know, it's not like Dorch is a schlub, but you know, Rondale Moore should certainly be better than Greg Dorch going forward. If he's not, then they made a terrible draft pick on him. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think you're not trusting more in lineups this week, but I would go grab him now if he's available in your league. And of course, since we're talking about the Arizona offense, I want to remind everybody that they're nowhere near as good as they should be if their coach didn't suck. Because relative to talent and opportunity, that's what the offense has done so far is suck. Kyler Murray, 17th in PFF passing grade. I mean, that's okay, but it could be better. And the Cardinals overall, 31st in offensive DVOA, 30th in passing DVOA, 14th rushing. So clearly James Conner is the guy to bet on here. (laughs) And Cliff Kingsbury is the guy to bet against. I mean, this is a whole nother level. I mean, if you look at DVOA stuff, the Cardinals have been above average the past couple of seasons. Not, not great. You know, not where I think they, they could be with a better Should coach, be. but th- this is, I don't, you know, it's, it's so ugly right now. And I, I think, I think we underrated how bad this offensive line 
was going to be and how bad it's you know been so far. That's hurting James Conner too, obviously. Um, and, and then the wide receiver core. I mean, um, when AJ Green's getting that many snaps and Green's out now, by the way, which you know, I don't know could be addition by subtraction. Although it's you know probably going to be Andy Isabella getting some of those snaps, so we'll see what happens there. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just hoping with Rondell Moore back and then we'll get DeAndre Hopkins back and that'll spark something. The other thing with Kyler has been the lack of, of rushing. You know, he's just not running at the same level he had uh, the previous few seasons. Like the design rushing stuff just hasn't been there, which again is, is again on Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, and but that's the thing that I don't think we should expect to come back because I don't think that's what they want to do. I hope that as a team they face plant this year so that Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> gets fired and we get somebody that can actually unlock the offensive talent because there's a lot of that there regardless of the offensive line's play. Yep, sure. On the Carolina side, Christian McCaffrey was out Wednesday and people were in a frenzy, um, got a thigh injury. ESPN's David Newton says that Matt Rule seemed like it was no big deal. He didn't say, Matt Rule didn't say this is no big deal, but he, what he the report was he seemed like it. So we'll see about Christian McCaffrey's Thursday participation. Everybody in response to Christian McCaffrey being out was like, okay, who's the guy in this backfield if McCaffrey doesn't play? The answer is nobody. There is no the guy here. There's Chuba Hubbard. There's Deontay Foreman. They played 12 and 14 snaps total, respectively, through three games. They each have four carries and zero targets. They split first-team work in the preseason, and neither has given us any reason to believe that he can be a good receiver through his young career so far. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is having to battle for fantasy points on this offense. I mean, what's it going to look like if it's Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman in there? Yes, I am. there's very few situations where I'm not interested in in the handcuff, but this this is one of them. I don't I'm not really rostering any guy if I can either of those guys if I can help it. Um, dang, again, McCaffrey, everything has been there usage wise that we want to see the snaps, the routes, the carries, the target share. It's just you know Baker Mayfield's holding back this entire offense. I'll be curious to see if LaVisca Chenault could even like be in the backfield mix. Assuming he's healthy, he's of course got uh, an injury that's (laughs) him this week. Of course course he does. It's really, it's like an offense that you don't really want to bet on anything right now. You can, if if you're in a deep enough league, you can stash either Foreman or Hubbard, but don't expect either one to emerge as a starter for you this week. DJ Moore, wide receiver 38 in our PPR rankings, and he belongs down there and it's sad. Yeah, I mean, same deal with McCaffrey. Usage is there, 23.5% target share, but um, you know, Baker's just not letting anything live on this offense. It, it's funny, too. I remember we, we talked after week one how pass-heavy Carolina went. They So they were 82% neutral pass in week one. That dropped to 62% in week two. That dropped to 42% in week three. So, you know, Matt Rule is like, you know, we've, we, we've seen Baker. We don't believe in Baker. We're just going to try to hide him the rest of the season. Yeah, but what Matt Rule said this week was he expects Baker <laughs> nah. to play great. Nah. He said great. So I don't know if he just ate Frosted Flakes that morning. I don't know if he's getting fully into coach speak or if he just didn't watch the first three week of games. The neutral pass rates speak much more loudly than anything Matt Rule actually says. <laughs> uh, that's enough of that game, right? Yeah. All right. Denver at Las Vegas Raiders by two and a half over under 45 and a half. Melvin Gordon limited Wednesday with a neck issue. And let's use that to get into the Denver running backs first, because Javante Williams, we thought that his issue would be sharing too much work. Now he's not only sharing with Melvin Gordon, he's also sharing with Mike Boone because he's just a magnanimous running back. 25% of the, the pass routes for Mike Boone in that Sunday night game. Um, I don't know, but I remember we saw that we saw that happen in the Jets backfield with Ty Johnson. What was it in week two? Then he kind of went away in week three. Hopefully that's what happens with Mike Boone. Um, but uh, that would definitely be, 
a problem for Javante because he he he'd been scoring you know a bunch of his fantasy points through the passing game. Um, you know, he kind of needs that if this Broncos offense isn't isn't going to score more than it has so far. Yeah. I mean, this was the issue that we thought that was going to be there for Javante Williams. We don't want Mike Boone to be involved. We'll see. Maybe it was a one game thing. The the offense, clearly they're trying to figure things out. They have no clue what they're doing so far. So that's like, that's both the downside and the upside here. Yeah. If they figure it out, there's enough talent there that these guys could all still help our teams, but we're through three weeks and it doesn't look like they're figuring anything out yet. So, So here's the reason to be, at least semi-optimistic about the Broncos offense. And I stole this from our, our friend Josh Norris from underdog fantasy, but the Broncos have scored a touchdown on 14% of their red zone trips. That's easily the lowest in the league. It's 11 percentage points below the second worst team. The second worst team has scored on 25% of their red zone trips, a, a touchdown. So, you know, that that's, that's going to come way up. You know, I would guess it comes even up, you know, into the middle of the pack league wide. Um, so, you know, that, that's, that, so the, op- the offense has moved the ball better than, you know, that their points scored would, would tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if they had not fumbled twice at the goal line in week one, certainly things would look different. I wonder though, how much of that number is that? I mean, that should have been a game that they won pretty easily against Seattle and they yeah. haven't looked any better overall since then. We've got two bad passing games from Russell Wilson since then. He's been under like well under 240 yards, I believe in the past two games. He's now the guy that's going to pop every week in that underdog pick article when I'm comparing the numbers and I don't even want to bet it until he actually does it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 5.6 yards per pass attempt for Wilson. I and mean, that and last week was a tough Niners fast defense he has a much better matchup here against vegas but um yeah i i would definitely try not to use wilson um even this week with you know, all the crappy quarterback situations i would you know use trevor lawrence over him i would use jared goff over him um pretty 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 easily yeah i like trevor lawrence better than russell wilson like going forward right now if you have to choose between them i'd rather have trevor lawrence on a roster Cortland sutton is easy start this week because he's the target leader the past two weeks. Jerry Judy's at least dealing with an injury, did play through it last week. Judy's sitting bottom of wider wide receiver three territory. There's certainly room for him to rebound if he's healthier, and yeah. especially if this offense does figure things out and get going. Yeah, so Judy's off the injury report this week. Um, so that's good news because he, you know, I, it looks like he was limited in week three because he ran her out on just 75% of the pass plays. That was at 91% in week one. So I would expect him to, you know, get closer to that 90% mark this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, everybody else is, uh, there's not even really anybody else to talk about on that offense, right? Now, Albert O is pretty much droppable at this point. His, his route rate has declined every week so far. And he's just, he's just not doing anything. The Denver offense, by the way, never would have guessed this heading into the season, but they're the fifth most friendly scoring matchup for team defenses right now, which they, they have no business being. Russell Wilson takes sacks. He always, always has. Yeah, but it's it's more about turnovers and lack of scoring points there. Um, Raiders side, I'm not ready to play Mac Collins if Hunter Renfro is available, but I'm not dismissing him as a pickup in leagues that have like 20 roster spots or maybe 18. Yeah, I mean, even with Renfro healthy, Hounds was out there for pretty much every pass play. Um, now his target share spiked without Renfro last week. Renfro, by the way, didn't practice on Wednesday, so you know, usually guys miss just the one game with the concussion, but. Um, it looks like there's at least a chance Renfro doesn't play this Sunday. And if that's the case, I think, you know, Hollins will move in, into wide receiver four territory at least. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I, I like him as a roster option, not somebody that I'm ready to start if the other guys are healthy at this point, but he's out there, as you mentioned, and he's been around the league a while at least. So, you know, there's, there's some veteran presence there. <laughs> Anything else in that game? Um, I like, I like Josh Jacobs as a buy low. Um, you know, not a, not a guy I liked at all in the summer, but his usage has been a little better than I expected. I mean, he's dominating Raiders carries. He has 80% on the Raiders carries. Um, he has 42 total carries. That's 13th in the league. He, he just, he hasn't scored a touchdown yet where, you know, he's been a high end touchdown scorer throughout his career. And I, I do think those will, will start to come. So, uh, pretty tough matchup for Jacobs against Denver, but I do think you can you know stick with him as like a low end RB too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm certainly happy to have him where I have him. I don't, I don't know that he's going to be a difference maker, but he's certainly yeah. going to add some touchdowns. We'd like to see more targets on a regular basis, but he's at least getting usage where it's possible. And he did get, what do you have? I mean, he had six targets last week. So that mm-hmm. was good to see. Yeah, I hope that continues. New England at Green Bay Packers by nine and a half over under 40 and a half. We got Jacoby Myers limited Wednesday with the knee injury that cost him last week. Last week, he was no practice, no practice limited Friday. So we'll see about him for this week. Devontae Parker balled out in that game, but um, now he's got no quarterback because Mac Jones is out with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, and Parker is a a fine pickup if you want to just see where it goes from here, but um with Brian Hoyer under center and then with uh, Myers potentially back. I'm, I'm not, I'm not starting. I'm, I don't even want to start Myers this week. Um, so he's probably still not at a hundred percent. And then it's, you know, Brian Hoyer who I, I expect to be a disaster. Yeah. Brian Hoyer is late stage Cooper rush. He's eight years older than Cooper rush. He's his last start was week four of 2020, 15 of 24 passing at Kansas city for 130 yards, zero <laughs> touchdowns and a pick. Uh, he had two games the year before that where he saw basically starter level play, 168 and three touchdowns in relief in the 2019 loss at Pittsburgh, then 204, one touchdown, three picks the following week against Miami career, three and a half percent touchdown rate. So, you know, Mac Jones is not a world beater, but you definitely downgrade the whole passing game with the the dip from Jones to Hoyer. Yeah, that's insulting to Cooper Rush to call Hoyer a late stage Cooper Rush. This, yeah, this is a good deteriorated Cooper Rush. <laughs> That's 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 better. Uh, it, it is a good matchup on the ground for New England. New England's actually first in football outsiders offensive rush DVOA, and the Packers are dead last in football outsiders run defense ranking. So, I mean, if they can keep the game close, and if Hoyer can at least you know keep him on schedule, I do think Harrison Stevenson can can have some success on the ground. Yeah, they should certainly be leaning on those guys. And Ramondre Stevenson's yes. now played ahead of Damian Harris in two straight games. Yeah, I mean, they're still basically splitting the rushing work. It's just, you know, Stevenson is is in the passing down role. You know, he's taken over for David, for uh, Ty Montgomery there. So, you know, he's going to play more snaps and he's probably going to have more touches because he's going to get more targets. But I do think the carries are going to stay pretty evenly split. Yes, I certainly agree with that. Um, on the Packers side, nothing but the RBs. I think you can roster Romeo Dubs for now. I'm not sure that he's a play yet. He's not inside my top 40 for this week. Yeah, not quite. I think he's just outside our top forty. And to, to me, it's mostly because of the matchup. Uh, you know, again, we, we you know we just saw the Pats shut down Rashad Bateman. It's still a tough pass defense, um, but very encouraged by what we've seen from Dobbs, especially last week. Obviously, stepping up in that big role. I, I would not be surprised if he outscores Alan Lazard the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised by that either. And it's similar for Robert Tunyon, where he's somebody you can roster. He's yep. in that middle tight end two range, but not somebody that I'm ready to throw into a lineup if I can help it. 
Yeah, not yet, but I do think he's a good stash. Um, Tunyon's route rate has climbed every week coming off last year's torn ACL. Um, then he saw 20% of the targets last week, and yeah, that was easily a season high. Mm-hmm. Kansas City at Tampa Bay on Sunday night. Chiefs by one and a half on the road, over under 45 and a half. Harrison Butker was back at practice, ankle injury on this kicker injury show. Andy <laughs> Reid said that he did some things, wasn't sure that he was going to be ready for Sunday. So for me, that's no play Harrison Butker this week. Well, I mean, I don't know. I haven't thought about it, I guess. They, the Chiefs did cut Matt Amendola, though, and they haven't signed any other kicker. So they signed Matthew like Wright, I believe, to the to the practice squad. Oh, they did? Okay. All right. So I guess Butker's if Yeah, sure. Go go with the healthier kicker. That's usually the way to go. Yeah, I had somebody asked me, somebody were co-managing a team said, should I pick up Harrison Butker? I was like, no, he barely came back to practice. <laughs> I don't know if he's playing. No, you don't jump on the kicker immediately. <laughs> Uh, MVS was limited Wednesday with an abdominal thing. Nicole Hardman, no practice Wednesday with his heel issue. Last week, he was limited with the same thing. So we'll see if that's any change in his status. Um, but, you know, we're trying not to use Nicole Hardman anyway. The, the Chiefs got to start working in Sky more and even Justin Watson because M- MVS and Hardman just aren't getting it done. Um, you know, they're they're not drawing targets. They're not being efficient when they do draw targets. Um and I, I get it. They paid MBS all that money. They're probably not going to scale back his snaps, but I, I, I think they should. All right. So go ahead and tell me how Juju Smith-Schuster is getting it done. Well, he, he leads the wide receivers in targets, 17% target share. Um, and he, he's been efficient. He's 30th in yards per outrun among 79 qualifiers versus, you know, MBS down at 66 and McCall Harmon down at 68. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Juju's not going to dominate targets, um, but I do think he's the best bet for targets, and you know he, he's still playing with Mahomes. So I think he's a uh, he's a he's a wide receiver three. I will give you all of that. Ceh, we talked about earlier. I think in most cases you kind of have to start him, depending on what else you have at running back, but yeah. certainly not to the degree you would expect for somebody who's sitting fourth among running backs and PPR points right now. And that's why you should sell the hell out of him. Like go act like you have a property that you need to get rid of because it's keeping your family from spending money on anything else. You've got to hit the streets and find a buyer for this one. The usage has been absolutely terrible for sustaining any production. And that included trailing Jarek McKinnon last week in playing time. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. He's like you said, fourth in PPR points, despite playing 40% of the chief snaps through two games, 36% of the pass routes. I mean, he's going to have a game soon where he has, you know, 45 total yards and no touchdown. And yeah, that that's probably going to be the end of your cell window for a CEH. And it could definitely be this game because the bucks, you know, remain tough against running backs. They're fifth in adjusted points allowed to running backs. Um, so I, I, w- I would try to sell Everett Delaire before this game on Sunday night. Yes, for sure. Um, on the Bucks side, Tom Brady was a full practice Wednesday despite the injured finger on his right hand. Chris Godwin was back at practice for a limited workout um, for the first time since starting his hamstring in week one. Julio Jones put in a limited practice with a knee. It's always noteworthy if Julio is practicing on a Wednesday. <laughs> Uh, and then Russell Gage was limited with the hamstring, but he's been playing through that. Oh, Gage, what a hero, man. I started him in, in main event last week, and he's just hobbling around out there, but somehow catching a bunch of these six-yard passes. That was that was nice to see. Helped me to a win. Um, I mean, Brady's been a disaster so far in fantasy. He's finished quarterback 27, quarterback 25, quarterback 19. So he's hurt you all three weeks. Um, but as he starts to get these wide receivers healthy, I do think he'll be – better this this could be a higher scoring game um, you know he's he's not inside our top 12 but i feel a bit better about him this week than i did last week with these wide receivers coming back 
Certainly anytime you have Mike Evans back on the field, it's better than when you don't have Mike Evans. Yes. Um, anything else from that game? Uh, buy Leonard Fournette too, because he's just way underachieving his his usage. Um, and it's, it's just because the offense has just been so bad. So if the offense improves, uh, Fournette's fantasy production will too. The one thing I would throw in there though, is if he keeps getting the number of carries that he's getting, he's going to go down at some point soon. I mean, we had him high in the injury risk heading into the season and that's without assuming he's going to run the ball 24 times a week. So, you know, be wary of that. I wouldn't, that, that would maybe, uh, that might maybe limit how much I'd be willing to pay to get him. I agree on the buy case for him, but I would be scared a little bit of that injury factor. Well, I bet I bet Rashad White is being dropped in a bunch of leagues too. Um so I think people that drafted him thought he was gonna have, you know, this standalone value and he he hasn't so far. So trade for Fournette and go pick up Rashad White and you'll you'll be good to go. Yeah, if you can secure both of those guys, I feel much better about it for sure. All right. LA Rams at San Francisco on Monday night. 49ers by one and a half in this game over under 42 on the Rams side. Van Jefferson landed on IR ahead of last Sunday's game. So that means he missed that one. And then at least three more. It also means the knee recovery is clearly not going nearly as well as they thought it was following his, um, was it June surgery or July or whatever it was. Um, So he's not going to be there. So we can expect the target distribution to go in the way that it has to this point. Maybe the biggest beneficiary so far has been Tyler Higby, who's still sitting mm-hmm. fifth among tight ends and expected fantasy points. He's seventh in actual PPR points without even scoring a touchdown. Yeah, uh, you know, I expect the usage to remain, you know, maybe not quite at this level, but near it. Um, this is a tough matchup for Higby. The Niners first in adjusted points allowed to tight end, second in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. They were also good against tight ends last year. And Higby scored three touchdowns in his two games against the Niners because, you know, Higby just doesn't make sense no matter what he does. So um, he's a bit lower in our rankings this week than he has, you know, than like he was last week because of the matchup. You know, he, he's still a, a top 10 tight end play. Yeah, Tyler Higby. Uh, the next guy in the rankings without a touchdown at tight end is Kyle Pitts at 14th, by the way. Matthew Stafford, 21st among QBs and yeah. fantasy points so far. He's 17th in expected fantasy points. So he's scoring under expectation, but – that 17th also points to him not like sitting on this untapped well of points. Yeah. The Rams have slowed down and gone run heavier this season. They're 27th in neutral pace and 22nd in neutral pass rate. So that's definitely hurting Matt Stafford. I think, you know, his weaponry is hurting him with Allen Robinson, not doing much. And he's having to throw away too many passes to Ben Skowronek. Um And again, tough matchup for the Rams passing game here. Uh, Stafford averaged just 6.6 yards per attempt in his two games against the Niners last season. So, you know, just another guy where, you know, a lot of weeks he's a lower end quarterback one, but I I would not want to use Stafford this week. Yeah, I agree with that. It's clear that um, Sean McVay, despite what week one seemed to suggest does actually love Cam Akers. I I, I guess. Um, So here's how this backfield shook out last week. It was four carries and one target for Daryl Henderson in the first half to just two carries and no targets for Cam Akers. Then Cam Akers, all 10 carries in the second half. Darrell Henderson did not get one. And then, though, Cam Akers fumbles on his final carry of the game. So, you know, we'll see what that means for the split going forward. Once again, I have no idea how to project this backfield. That's definitely not one I want to be invested in. But if you're deciding between them for some strange, demented reason, then it's Cam Akers over yeah. Darrell Henderson now, just, be, just by the way we've seen them both get used the past two weeks. Henderson's been on the field more for the passing stuff, but it mm-hmm. hasn't translated to targets. So 
it's not something I'm going to bet on for projection purposes. Yep, I agree. It's, it's acres between the two if you have to pick. On the 49ers side, left tackle Trent Williams is out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain, which is not good news for the offense. The offense itself stunk versus Denver. So, you know, part of that was probably the matchup. We'd like to see things get better, though. The Rams this week, not really a get-right spot. They've been solidly negative as a scoring matchup for quarterbacks, for running backs, and for tight ends. Mildly positive for wide receivers, but not to the point where I would say, play your receivers here. Well, you're playing Debo, right? And then Ayuk, I think, you know, he's in wide receiver three range. He's still seeing a nice um, 23.5% target share so far. So if that keeps up, you know, he, he's going to be usable. Um, I do think Jeff Wilson is, is a pretty nice play here. Um, the Rams have been tough against the run, but if Wilson's going to get, you know, last week he got 12 of the 13 running back carries. Like I, I, again, I don't think they trust George Mason. I don't think they want to use him. Uh, you know, Marlon Mack is, is washed up. So I do think Wilson's going to continue to dominate running back carries. Yeah, he should have gotten more than 12 carries in that game last week, just based on how game flow went. But as you mentioned, he got nearly all of the running back work. He's dominating usage. He did end up with 106 total yards on his 15 touches in that game. So he performed well in what he did get. So, yeah, I think Jeff Wilson Jr. is probably a better play this week than he even seems like as you're looking at yeah. your options. Yep, definitely. Well, that's going to do it for this week, unless you got anything else for that Niners offense. No, I'm going to get lunch. I'm starving. That's right. That'll do it for this week four preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com. Now you can see exactly how we project all these guys and rank them against each other for the week. Check out the Fantasy Points Allowed page. We we have now have that powered by this year's numbers with the first three weeks of stats to work from. You can also find the strength of schedule pages by position. So that just gives you an easier way of kind of ranking each position versus each other for that specific week, but also looking at the rest of the season. Um, So check those out. And if you just can't answer that one last question, as you're setting your lineup for the week, Come find me in the Draft Sharks Discord. I'll help you out, at least by telling you that you need to go back and check your My Teams page for the answer because it's already been answered there. For Jared Small and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaus saying thanks so much for swimming with us.